0: This isn't about easy decisions, Senator. You just don't understand. I'm a black man carrying the stars and stripes. What don't I understand? Every time I pick this thing up, I know there are millions of people out there who are going to hate me for it. Even now, here, I feel it. The stares, the judgment. And there's nothing I can do to change it. Yet I'm still here. No super serum, no blonde hair or blue eyes. The only power I have is that I believe we can do better.
1: Welcome to the Coffee Clash Crew, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier review of Episode 6 One World, One People. I'm Brian. This is Lewis. I'm Jason. As you can tell, we have the full crew back with us again. Welcome, gentlemen. Glad to see you back. Let's go with our initial reactions for the episode. Jason, since you have been gone for a bit, let's go with you. What were your initial reactions for this episode?
2: Well, to be honest with you, I think my opinion will not be the popular one here. And I'm getting ready to be ganged up on the episode as a whole. I still enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it just like every episode with the show. It was fun to watch, but story-wise, I feel like it was lacking, especially considering that it was the season finale. A lot of the storylines for me either fell flat, felt lost, or felt broken. Now, I won't go too deeply into it, but I'll just skim over the top of it. The Flag Smashers never really felt important to me, and as you guys discussed, it's probably because of the script rewrite. I think it would have carried more weight if it was about the original idea. So throughout the season, Carly's passion never felt real. It never felt grounded to me. So in her final episode, where we know she's probably gonna get killed, it didn't feel, it felt unceremonious. And the way she died felt unceremonious to me. I understand why they did it, but if that's your main bad guy for the season, it just felt like something was missing. Uh, Wyatt's actions felt like it was undeserved. He wasn't on screen enough since we last saw him where he's just falling apart to all of a sudden he's fighting he's angry and he's going to start doing a little bit of the right thing it felt like i needed more time i needed to see that change And again, it's probably because he hasn't, quote unquote, changed. He's not all of a sudden a good guy. But still, there needed to be a reason for me. Bucky felt lost in this episode. Sorry, guys. He did. He made mistakes. He took the phone call. And you're like, you're in the middle of something. This is the last, you know, you're not new to this. You wouldn't just answer a phone call and just stop and shoot the shit. (laughs) Uh, George's character felt flat. You know, I thought he'd be a little more impactful. When he went away after the first season and then he comes back, I'm like, okay, I get it. Now he's back. He's going to make a statement. But it ended up being that they used him as a tool to keep our heroes separated, keep them occupied, and then just to die. It felt to me. Yeah. And then, of course, Sharon being the power broker. And this might be because we have our podcast, because we do research and we've been discussing it. That didn't feel like a big reveal to me. And I never really, her character still, even though she was supposed to be more important in this series, got nothing there. So I've
1: watched the episode twice now. I will say the first time I watched it, you know, it's right when it's airing. It's got all the hype up that, you know, you've been expecting it all week. But with the rewatch, actually, I'm on the same page with you, Jay. There was a lot of things that were that were missing. So I don't think I'm going to beat you up too much this episode, but I completely agree and see where you're coming from.
2: And don't get me wrong. I have a lot of positives, too. Like, I'm not going to beat oh, Debbie sure. down yeah, in the yeah. hole.
1: No, 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 no. But you're right. Everything that you're saying was accurate and fair and it's definitely noticeable on the second rewatch.
2: Yeah, without the excitement of like watching it the first time. But you're right. Once you're starting
1: to dive into a show and do analysis and research and think about it and, you know, create content for a podcast, you do kind of like, oh Sharon's gonna be power broker, okay, yeah. It's not that big of a reveal.
2: But that's another thing to think about. Okay, she's the power broker. That should land some emotion and some thought. For future episodes, future movies. And maybe it's just me, but I don't like her enough to be like, okay, well, what does that mean now? Now, it is intriguing with the end of the episode where we see that, oh, she's going to have all the keys to the castle. Right. Which I think will go into our next movie.
1: You know, I think once they got rid of Thanos, they kind of needed another long plot arc. I think Sharon is going to be there in the background doing things for them, the bad guys in getting intel yeah i don't think she's gonna she's definitely won't be at the level of thanos I, don't get me wrong i'm not saying that but there it has to be <laughs> the over thread art that helps to support everything else that they're gonna do sharon can kind of potentially be that puppet of the strings later on but yeah it wasn't it wasn't as big as a payoff that it should probably been yeah Is i she...
0: think it's because you called it like four episodes ago that's <laughs> that's probably what
1: you know i do have i do have some luck sometimes in life of calling <laughs> things and it's working out and it's like oh that's great but then you think of I was like, oh, I would have rather been surprised in this situation.
0: <laughs> yeah, the thing with her is I, 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 we discussed it last week where I was kind of like, there's no way that she could be the power broker. I mean, there's still something there. There has to be like a twist where she's not really, she's working for the power broker. And then sure. when it happened this episode, when it was like confirmed, I was like,
1: that's it? All right. There is a theory that much like the Mandarin in Iron Man 3, wasn't actually the Mandarin. And he's coming back in, in uh, Shang-Chi. I hope I pronounced that correctly. There's a potential that, because I think Madripoor is shown in the trailer for that movie, that the Mandarin is actually the power broker and Sharon is just one of the lieutenants and that's actually who she calls she calls the mandarin and says hey we now have all this stuff let's start getting everybody ready and the power broker the mandarin can say yeah i got all the people i globally who i know that can can do that so
0: there's still i mean yeah i mean that would be cool because i'm to be honest i really didn't like the mandarin twist either in iron man 3 yeah. so just to kind of fix that that would be great for me the sharon twist was not really a twist for me you
1: know and she, honestly she didn't even say that she was the power broker everybody yeah they left it open implying that it was her so they yeah they still have the opportunity and room to change something in the story, even though we're theoretically right now people are thinking that she's the power broker because of what was said.
2: Well, she made that phone call in the end. And whoever she's talking to is either a main partner or the boss, like you said. Yeah. I think if it ended up being he was the boss, it would make more sense with the storylines that we've seen with Sharon since the movies. Yeah. Right. Where she's actually playing for the good guys. And even, even in this series, she did so many things. That if she was the power broker doesn't make sense. The fact of her trying to stay anonymous and not showing her hand, I don't think she would still go as far as showing, uh, helping them with her key players. But I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I think part of that is because she wanted to be pardoned. Maybe that was like a big thing for her. So she could get to the point where she could be within the government. True. um, but yeah, man, that that really wasn't a big of a reveal as it should have it should have been.
1: So, Lewis, what were your initial reactions?
0: Yeah, you know what, I'm I'm gonna agree uh, with both of you, with you, Jason and Brian. Although I'm not gonna be as harsh as Jason was, I will say that there are some aspects of this episode that were all right, but it kind of fell flat. You know, like the whole Bucky thing, like you brought up. It was just like, why are you taking this phone call right now, man? Everything is happening. Like, <laughs> this is the worst time you could take a phone call. You know, things like that kind of it, it kind of annoyed me really, but. I feel like it's one of those things where you could kind of tell if this whole series was set up to be a, a movie and they cut it up to the episodes, this is one of the aspects where it would have fit better as a movie. Because coming off from the stuff we saw the last two episodes and then going into this, it would have flowed better, I think. As a series, waiting for a whole week for stuff to happen and it not playing the way that you were excited for or expecting, it is going to be a letdown considering that the last two or three episodes were really, they had really awesome scenes in them and and coming into this one, it's just like you want that to pay off in the la- the very last episode. And s- some of it did. Some of it did pay off. But some, it-, it felt kind of flat, like you said.
1: Yeah, I think they've kind of taken their cues from what we've seen in previous series Game of Thrones comes to mind where the penultimate episode was always kind of like the big one. Half of the last episode was some payoff and mostly plot thread wrap-ups. And so that's essentially what we got. Yeah. But you're right, the payoff wasn't as good as we were anticipating. But yeah, it would have made sense if we had sat and watched a three-hour movie. It would have been okay. We would have been on I mean, it's like, okay, in the grand scheme of things, it would have been fine. Uh, right. I totally agree. And I'm totally fine playing moderator between you two. I have a feeling that Jason's gonna be on the more negative loose be more positive i'm in right smack in the middle so i'm totally fine playing middle of the road for you guys today
2: well don't get me wrong there's a lot of positive there i feel like their treatment of sam was done very well and i guess yeah. in the end that's the most yeah. important part i think that was delivered in a good fashion where we have his new gear brought to you by the wakandans and thank god they chose to keep the wings because Marvel yeah. didn't want them to have the wings
0: and they fought for it. Yeah, it, I think it makes it, it makes the costume. It makes yeah. it epic.
1: Sam's Captain America outfit comes from a comics and what you're referring to, Jason, is that when they're going to make Sam Captain America in the comics, Marvel was like, oh, he doesn't need his wings because it's going to be too confusing just making Captain America. But the creator and the writer of that I was like, no, it's really important that you need the wings. You need to keep the wings to keep his identity as well. So yes. I agree that, yeah, it, it is definitely the better choice to keep the wings. And I know I'm more of the purist, if you will, from a comic book's perspective when they translate it into movies. So I really want them to be as true to the comic book storyline and arc as much as possible. So I was quite happy with the outfit. It was a pretty good mix between MCU bulky. Sam needs to be protected because he's falling from high heights. So he has to have a little bit more body armor like we've seen in previous Avengers movies mixed with the comic accurate depiction and colors and schemes. So I I was really, really happy to see his outfit.
0: Yeah, and it sets him aside from Steve Rogers. This is like Sam Wilson's... uh, era of Captain America. So it, it separates that, you know, it's like, all right, right, this is the new Captain America. This is his time. And it just gives it that feeling that he really just, he's coming to his own as, as the next Captain America.
2: It gives him his own identity, sets him apart. But beyond that, we have to remember he doesn't have super serum in his blood. Yeah. So I think he needs the wings to help him, to give him that edge above Pun intended. The bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> as far as you thank you. As far as the suit is concerned, at first it was jarring to me when he flies in through the glass window, and it's so much white. And yeah. I texted you guys, and I knew I, it was too confusing for me to text you why I was feeling like I'm not really fully on board with the outfit. And I think I think I came up with the reasons that I could verbalize. You guys remember? I mean, these are six shoes. They still are Converse. Yep. All right. Yep. Remember when you get the white and they're brand yep. new and they're too white? Yeah. And everyone's like, "Damn, dude, you're yep. bright. You got to dull those down. Put some dirt yep. on them." And like it's... a day
1: later, they get scuffed up and they're no longer bright white anymore. Yeah. And, and that's then why they, they look, look good. Got the white ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And
2: then they <laughs> yeah. look good. So he had so much white and so much bulk which, understandably, Brian, he needs that because he is flying and falling. Uh, so he needs yeah. those shoulder pads. I think they needed to cut it up with some blue. His whole bicep shouldn't have been white. It should have been just parts of it that were white. And then I think it would have been perfect. But it is growing on me. I think
1: it was a lot of fan service that they did. Like with Captain America's outfit in Avengers 1, they tried to be very comic book accurate with that. And mm-hmm. while it was fan service and it looked kind of cool, not everything translates well from page to page to screen. Mm-hmm. Especially if you look at comics in the 90s. There's just no way guys can be that muscular and girls can have that skinny of waists. That's just not accurate. So I think that's what they were trying to do here is that they were trying to pay a little bit of fan service because we, those of us that read the comics know the story that they're going to get into with Sam being Captain America. So they wanted to probably try to do as close to a comic book accurate costume. And there was a lot of white in the comic costume. So that's why I think that they were doing. I fully expect, much like they've done every other movie, is that the costume will grow, if you will, and have yeah. and change. And I think that's what they'll say is like, okay, yeah, this needs to be tweaked here. This makes more sense. This colorization makes more sense. But yeah, like I said, for, for one episode, total fan service.
0: I mean, he looked pretty cool as soon as he hit that glass and you just mm-hmm. see the wings kind of. I mean, I, I turned into a total fan when I saw him and I was like, wow, yeah. that looks great. What I was going to say before, Jason, I think you're also viewing it as a designer, right? Mm. So when you see color schemes like that, I know sometimes as a, as a creative person, you you see things like that, it's like, oh, that's, oh, that's too much. Or, or maybe if they would have tweaked that, I think eventually they are going to, it's going to be tweaked. Every costume is, ends up being tweaked in the MCU.
1: All right. So let's break down some of the scenes that we saw. And really, there's only a handful. Uh, we get the fight at the GRC building and then the fight in the construction site and the wrap up scenes at the tail end. So we'll go through the GRC building fight and pick out some really cool, interesting things. Let's stick with Sam first. Like you're saying, Lewis, it was really impactful. You saw Sam flying around before he got to the building. So you know he has his wings. He's coming in. And you can tell him immediately that's a little different just by the color of the flame of the booster. It's now blue. It's no longer that goldish yellow. So you know something's different. Something's changed. And him coming right in to the building, you know, it kind of felt like that Sam Ramini the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies always had Spider-Man going across the American flag for half a second in really slow motion. And then some of the Avengers movies had a really slow group shot, you know, just it's like, yay, this is a screenshot that we'll use in marketing. Great. And that kind of felt yeah. what it felt like, you know, it was just yeah, a little slower just so we can get a perfect still shot of Sam in the new costume. So we can use it for marketing or a trailer, but this is where we also see him fight Batroc after they started evacuating the GRC building and For no other reason other than separating the council members into three different groups because we got three main characters: Sam, Bucky, and Sharon to track them all. uh, There was that fight between Sam and Batroc. Now it's interesting. We know Steve Rogers' version of Captain America kicked his ass. (laughs) Patroc's <laughs> ass, pretty handily on the show. And Petroc and Sam never really got a decent fight in episode one on the helicopters. So it was nice to see that Petroc was able to come back and have some sort of real fight with Sam. And you can tell when it was postponed, that Sam was like, oh, I got to go, and just jumps out the window at the end, that Petroc was going to come up later in the episode. But it's always interesting that Petroc always got his ass kicked by Captain America.
2: Well, I mean, let's be honest, he's got new gear on. It's still a little tight. You know, he's just working it. You know, he's kind of <laughs> working into it. <laughs> he's getting used to the new boosters. They're a little faster. So his timing's a little yeah. off. <laughs> no, I think it's good. I think we needed to see a one-on-one fight. It's, yeah. it's understandable because we have this kind of buddy cop. We have this these group fights all the time, which is awesome. But I think this was a yeah. great opportunity to have this one-on-one choreography, to see Sam in his new outfit. And also, I mean, George is badass he's supposed to be badass and we finally got to see why and how and how well he fights also i think it's it's worth it's something to note that it's in a confined space it's in that building maybe like 12 foot ceiling so that right away sam is confined in what he can do He can't go as high you know you can't really fly too fast you're gonna crash into something so it was leveled it was the battlefield was a little more leveled there
0: yeah i totally agree i actually think i always like seeing gsp on screen and always wish there was more for him to do uh, as a batroc and i like that they actually finally have him square off with sam like you could actually see him go toe-to-toe with him until he just flies off uh i'm gonna be honest i wish we could get more of him i I feel like we always get him in these little scenes and it's just like all right well he's done there he goes he's over i like having that character around just as like a bad but i did enjoy them fighting i I enjoyed that you actually see them go toe-to-toe
1: yeah, I the minor character, not really minor. I would say like the second tier villains that Marvel has introduced. Either if it's Patroc or Crossbones in the last Captain America's movie, they're really good potential for stories because they keep coming back at times in the comics. So there is material to draw from. Right. But yeah, you're right. It's kind of like it's just a disservice. It's they're there to serve a purpose of a story and then just killed off in the movie. So yeah, I would like to see Patroc come back. I know they you know he's essentially a for high, a mercenary for hire, which mostly fits with the comics as well. But I don't know. There was just some cool stuff that they did with him in the comics. Granted, he's more of a 70s character. So there's a little more looseness that they could have. I wish comic book movies and Marvel. Marvel's doing a much better job except for this episode uh of not killing villains but i would just wish in general we'd have more villains that could come back i know movies dictate that you're gonna have to have a new villain to keep the story progressing for the main characters
0: but yeah i, I, yeah, I mean die either. in general marvel does a great job because they you know, I don't think they really kill off any of their really big villains. So they always have a way for them to come back. So I think, sure. um, you know, they usually do a good job. But yeah, like you said, uh, Batroc is definitely one of those characters that they, they could do more with him, but they could also use him as, as a throwaway character as well. So it just, it really just depends how you use him.
2: There's two things at play here. George St. Pierre's—he's not an actor, so they can't. Sure. There's not much they can pull from him besides a few one-liners and some kick-ass scenes because he's a fighter. Right. Uh, and about—and ba- I was almost said ballerina. He also does ballet and he also does gymnastics, so he can really move for the camera in these big, beautiful movements. But uh, you can't have him be a Zemo and oh, Of true. course not. Wax
0: poetic. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but he could be like Zemo's first lieutenant henchman character. Sure. Or the Power Brokers, First Lieutenant henchman and still be around and do more things. I was not yeah. fully expecting him to carry it, the movie as a villain, yeah. He's much yep. better in French than he is in English, and <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> Melly appreciated that. Yeah, But I mean, yeah, I, I totally get it. I just wish that they would keep more of these minor characters around, because there are bigger events in the comics where most of these minor characters kind of get together and gang up on people, which is, <laughs> would be fun to see at some point down the road. But yeah, no, I get it. He was never going to be a Zemo or Thanos-level villain.
0: It would have been cool to see him in a dance off, though, with Zima. That would have been dope.
1: That would be great.
0: <laughs> but he's dead, right?
1: That I is guess we'll get to is... that. That is heavily implied, <laughs> but we don't officially see or hear of him dying. He could have gotten away. We didn't see a body and being zipped up in a body bag, which we, much to Lewis's point earlier, we don't ever really see that sometimes. So there's still a way yeah. that they could potentially come back
0: beautiful theoretically i thought he was yeah. dead when i saw it, i was like oh that's it they're done with him i mean i did too. yeah i did too it's, but, it's open know. it's open for it's it's cracked open yeah. Just let the
1: light in so the kids don't get nightmares. It's about that, old. not <laughs> nothing more. All right, the next scene that Sam had was the helicopter chase. Now, this to me kind of harkened back to, to Iron Man 3, where Tony was trying to save people falling out of a plane. So you could tell Marvel put a lot of movie into this episode with the uh, CGI. Oh, yeah, and it was really kind of cool to see Sam utilize Red Wing, who looked like he got a boost in artificial intelligence. From oh, yeah, previous scenes that we've seen him. Oh, and, yeah, uh, and just be able to use. Utilize, recognize who was on the helicopter and still show some of the uh, acrobatics that we haven't seen from sam before was really really kind of cool and you know and then dump into the guy off in the hudson jason what is the hudson like that's somebody that lives in new york do you want to be plunged
2: in there from no 10-15-8? nope no you don't want to put <laughs> your toe in there i really enjoyed those scenes and i always do they did so well with this series with flying fighting scenes That's difficult to do. This one was at night, so it was a little easier. But if you remember uh, episode one... Oh, that was during the yeah. day. Yeah. So well done. But I did have to watch that scene. I-, I rewound it a few times and it doesn't help that I was also at work. I mean, doing actual work. So I think I looked away Not for right. a half a second, but yeah. I was confused. I was like, oh wait, there's another helicopter. What happened to those people? And then I realized, oh, that was the police helicopter. That's my bad. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. I think that these aerial shots, it's very important for this character, Falcon. I'm still going to sure. call him Falcon for this uh, series because that's Where he does his best work and going against a helicopter i think that was just so well done him falling into the hudson like you said finding out who can can anyone fly the helicopter if i take out these assholes it shows that he's going to go above and beyond to do the right thing to save people and that is the theme of this whole episode
0: yeah i loved how he used his tech to find out who could pilot that helicopter while also like maneuvering around it and throwing the shield and What really looked cool, just visually, is him just going straight into the passenger side of the helicopter and just taking this guy out while, you know, the lady goes in and starts flying. I mean, it just looked amazing. It looked like movie quality type stuff. And it was just like, oh, man, Sam is... Sam is really kicking ass right now as Cap. It, it was just a lot going on. And it was pretty cool just to see Sam just handle it like a pro. It was, it was amazing. Marvel's kicking
2: yeah, it was ass. Really Disney Plus There's- Marvel is kicking ass with these shows. Uh, Mandalorian, WandaVision, and of course, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It is movie quality because it's got that money behind it. It's got yeah. Mickey Mouse money behind it. And it's so funny, the uh, juxtaposition between that And on Patreon, Christina and myself are reviewing Ghostbusters, the original, 1984, and doing research, finding out how much money they had, the time constraints that they had. They had They didn't have enough money to use a studio for special effects, so they had to create their own studio. And when they started filming, they didn't have the rights to the Ghostbuster name. They didn't have... Permits to film wherever they were filming. And they only had enough time to do one take pretty much each scene. Oh, my wow. So the juxtaposition watching this one now, after just reviewing Ghostbusters, I'm like, wow, what money can do. What money can do.
0: (laughs) And technology, just like how much... You can put into something now, where it's just like back in the '80s, it would have taken you a a year just to do that one scene, you know?
1: You know, honestly, I kind of like the practical effects that they would do. I know we're going on a deep tangent here, but it's fine. The earthquake scene in Ghostbusters, where the street like splits up, right? Mm -hmm. That's all a practical effect. That car literally falls down that ramp. Nowadays, that's all just pixels on a screen, and somebody's just pushing buttons to make that happen. And it looks fine when you're watching it the first time, but it doesn't really like age well, or at least it the early 2000s it hasn't aged well so yeah yeah but the practical effects will always age at the same rate as everything else because they're they're practical so i kind of miss that
0: just to go on real quick i I think the best part of movie making is just having a mix of practical effects and then just the computer generated and stuff like that a mix of that like christopher nolan films look amazing because a lot of it is practical stuff you know yeah right Never mind. I I could go on on stuff like that. That's my
2: fault. Sorry. Yeah,
1: (laughs) it's all good. All right, but before we go with Sam too much farther, let's go back to Bucky and let's talk about that phone call. You guys brought it up, and I know your face is just like turtle, like, oh, my God, Brian's going to go talk about this. But, you know, I think more from Carly's perspective versus Bucky's perspective, it makes some sense because it kind of feels like she was really just there to distract Sam versus anybody else. And she's already had a conversation with Sam and she knows Sam's going to do the right thing, but she hasn't had a chance to talk to Bucky. So she gets obviously one of her followers to hand him the phone. And this was her attempt to try to talk to somebody and say, hey, just stop. (laughs) Don't Mm -hmm. do this. Help me out, essentially. That's what I kind of got out of it. But on the flip side, I think it helps from Bucky's character development arc because he knows, most likely, that Sam's already had a conversation with Carly. It didn't work for her, for Sam. So Bucky's probably thinking, is like, okay, I've been where she's at. I've progressed from it, and now I'm a better person. So let me see if I can give some of that knowledge to her so that she doesn't do what we're thinking that she's going to do in here in two seconds. So I, while it doesn't make a lot of sense because it doesn't turn out well because he's got to drop the phone and get on the motorcycle to, to catch up to everybody... <laughs> He's like, God damn it. But I can see why he did it in that perspective, because he's trying to appeal to Carly's good side in a way that Sam might not have been able to because he's got the experience and it's a different conversation than at that point than what Sam had.
0: Yeah, what you're saying, I agree what you're saying and it makes total sense for especially in Carly's perspective to have that conversation with Bucky. I just feel like it's lost in a phone call. If it was like a face-to-face scene, that would have played out perfectly for me. But the fact that everything else is going on while they're just chit-chatting, really, it just felt like she's just stalling. You know, all of the character development that could have gone into that conversation, like you were saying, I think it's kind of lost because it's just a phone call, you know? Sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, Bucky was on his way out to get one of the trucks. He needed to stop the movement. So I felt like he would have been more zeroed in but brian I, th- I think you're right as well also on top of that the fact that he had that phone in his hand was the reason why they were able to catch the remainder flag smashers at the end of the episode because he yes. was able to use the app that was on that phone to pinpoint them to go to this spot where all the cops were
1: honestly i missed that tell you the truth i knew he had the app i just didn't make the connection that it was the phone from the beginning of the episode so that makes more sense that they need to set all that up from a how did that happen perspective? It's not mm. cut. It makes sense, but you're right. It, having a phone call takes away from that meaningful conversation. That's probably better face to face.
2: I'm going to be honest with you. I thought of that while you were talking, you brought it to light. So <laughs> I wouldn't have said shit because I didn't think about That's it. What until you you said it. I was like, <laughs> Damn, yeah,
1: Jason's right. <laughs> I just <laughs> thought of it. See, and I was going to give you credit of like, oh, this is why you're you're the host. This is your you've got your podcast yeah, that's... For so long. You know, it's the magic behind the curtain, Jason. Do you kind of just let it slide and been okay?
2: Well, no. Or you can think of it as the magic because this happens often when Christina's talking and she's breaking down a scene. Something yeah. pops in my head, and I'm like, well, then that's Fair. why because this and this happened. Fair. So that is the other magic. So you were looking at the left hand. You should have been looking at the right. <laughs> so you say it's my fault. Got it.
1: Okay. <laughs> So after Bucky has the conversation, he runs out after the SWAT cars to try to stop everybody. Once he's able to catch up to him, he holds his own against the other Flag Smashers in the fight. And Carly realizes this and says, oh, we need something to distract him and go towards his good nature of saying, hey, you can either fight us or you can go save these people. It was nice that Carly was able to recognize that because of the phone conversation. But it was also really great because that set up the same situation for when John came into the fight. That same choice that he was going to have to have at one point, do I save these people or do I fight the Flag Smashers? I think it also kind of speaks to Bucky's thoughts here and where he's come from You know, when we first were introduced to him in Captain America Winter Soldier, that he really has come a very long way. From somebody that has all of these amends that he has to atone for, to now doing the right thing inherently because that is who he is. So he's come back to who he was as Bucky from the original Captain America movie
2: he's no longer avenging he's protecting
0: he's full-blown hero right now I like that scene I like where she was just like give him something to save and they put the truck on fire or whatever and then he just runs over there and doing his superhero thing and it's basically Bucky coming full circle he's back to being you know like you said Brian the Bucky that we first saw And it's pretty cool later on when we get the same thing with John Walker when he walks in and the choices he has to make. It really is a pretty cool uh, comparison later on in the episode. So then the last
1: path out of the original three from the grc council meeting is sharon i thought it was really cool that they brought back that face mask thing from one of the captain america movies the disguiser. her yeah and you know I was like oh you still have that tech that's cool but it also kind of makes sense because you're Sharon. but do you kind of get that she let lennox that one guy get away and get the people into the truck first that's the impression i got is that she was kind of like slow playing it for a bit and letting things happen, she was still going to get her guy with the mercury vapor and a few other things, which is super weird by the way. But yeah, it felt like she just wasn't fully engaged in trying to stop everybody as fast as you probably could have.
2: You know, if you think about it, you might be right, B, because her going and talking to Bucky, maybe she now slowed him down even more. And yep. the truck and the guy that she melted his face off with is just one of many. Yeah. And I'm not even sure there was people in that one. There wasn't, it was just him. Well, there you go. So it meant nothing. You might be right there.
1: You know, she could be trying to help Zemo at this point, rid the world of super soldiers. So if she, like we were saying earlier, she could be working for a boss, the power broker, it could actually be Zemo because he would still have connections from jail. Granted, it's a little harder if he's in the raft, but that could be one of the reasons why she slowed played everything in the beginning of the episode.
2: We know he's got money. We know that he knew her. A lot of it. He knew her before they first met. Yeah, that would make sense. And then
0: she's yeah. also just, oh, have an excuse to see Zemo again. So, yeah. Oh, he's not leaving. No, he's nah. coming back.
1: All right, so after all those initial fights, we get into the construction yard scene. Now, I thought this was interesting that you see Bucky continue the fight with Dovik down there. You see Carly trying to get some sort of distraction. John's now into the scene, and she's trying to distract him by throwing the SWAT car of people off the ledge. And like I said earlier, this is where you get two really interesting things into John's character. Not only do you see him make the decision to go save the people, which is a... You know, it doesn't pay off as well, like we were saying earlier, from a decision perspective, (laughs) because there's not a lot of buildup for it. But you can see that he's kind of made that decision of I'm going to stop having vengeance in my actions. I'm going to go start doing the hero thing and saving people. But he still had those ticks. You know, he shook his head a little bit, closed his eyes, and looked like he's trying to beat down the demons that have been amplified because of the super soldier serum. I don't think we've mentioned this enough in the previous casts, but there's also various times throughout it. If you really look at how John is acting, he get little ticks. His hand twitched after he decapitated the Flag Smasher. And there's also little head movements that he does. There's specifically one right at the end after he says copy to Val he doesn't know how had nod too. so these little nuances really kind of shows you a lot into his psyche and what he's dealing with and I really hope that they play that out when he comes back
0: yeah I think that's the best part of his character seeing him kind of struggle with the good and bad side of things yeah to be honest this scene didn't make sense to me though the way that just like Jason said it was kind of like a quick turn of mainly because the end of last episode it really does show him you know, I'm Captain America building the shield. Yeah. I, I'm gonna go for this title. I'm really Captain America. But it shows it not in a heroic way, you know, like, oh, I'm gonna help out because I'm Captain America. No, it shows it like God damn it, I'm Captain America, I'm gonna fight for this and I'm gonna get revenge and, and all this. And so I, I totally thought he was gonna go for the flag smashers. And when he doesn't, it's kind of like it, it well, it's kind of unearned, right? Like his for his character for me. I don't know. I, I feel like that didn't pay off as well as it should have.
1: You're right, it was fairly quick, but he did come into the initial fight when he yells morgan foul he still had that same mentality from the mid-credits scene last episode but right. as he was starting to get beat down by everybody and was holding up his shield there was a quick little flash to the medal of honor that he had on inside True. his shield and then he closed his eyes and you can kind of see that he was doing something i think that is actually where something subconsciously in him turned but and then he consciously made that decision to save the SWAT card before going over the edge so i think it was like a two-step process but you're right it was super quick you kind of had to keep your eyes on the screen for every You couldn't look back and forth, you would miss something like this. But you're you're right. For somebody that's, you know, just a casual watcher, it it was pretty fast. And you would have to listen to somebody, either the director's commentary or whatever, saying this is why we did this, so that you can kind of get the whole the whole thing of it. But you're right, it was fairly quick. It didn't pay off as much. You needed him to fight the flag smashers some more and make some of those other types of decisions before he got to the one that we're talking about to really make it hit home that he's turned a corner, if you will.
0: And you just saying that sparked the scene where Lamar is like, Hey man. You got the Medal of Honor for this. You know, you're you're a good guy. But for some reason, that didn't play off while I was watching it.
1: And it could be that, again, if it was like a three-hour movie that we're sitting watching all in one setting, all back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, it probably would have made more sense. Or it would have clicked a little bit more. But if you have a break between all the episodes, because that scene yeah. was, what, last week? The week before? It's been a while. So it hasn't fully ingrained in our psyche, if you will.
2: Well, I'm going to tip my hand a little bit, guys, and tell you that I I think that John Walker was perhaps the best character in The Falcon and The Winter Soldier to the point where Wyatt, the actor, was getting hate mail because he was doing so well. I think they did a good job developing him throughout the series, except for here. Just like you guys said, there wasn't enough time. He fully flipped. It took them six episodes to get him fully psycho, angry, bad guy. Crap cap to the extreme. (laughs) And that's just what we needed. We needed more of a reason to believe that he's going to turn around and do the right thing and let Carly go so that he could save these humans. On top of that, what I really enjoyed was his shield. I think that was amazing. We got to see him put together at the end of the last episode, you know, construct his own tin. It wasn't tin, but metal (laughs) shield. And you know what? He did a pretty good job. Let's be honest. But you see after one battle How beaten and battered to shreds that shield was, and I think that did a really good job to reinforce the value of our shield, the one that we love. And you start to think about since Captain America won the first movie till now, how many fights, how many battles that shield has been through. And look at it; it's it's still just needed to be a little waxed. Still there, you know? Maybe like a little spit shine, and it's all yeah.
1: I'm surprised it still looks so good. I know. Well, it is vibranium. So, you know, it's pretty impervious. It's got that stark spark. But you're right. So then we get Sam actually is the one that saved the SWAT fan. And I think the biggest thing I took out of this is how awesome his new tech is. Mm-hmm. Sam doesn't have the super soldier serum. He's got a super big booster and he's got two red wings, not just one, which I'm like, you know, I didn't think you needed to because you're used to like the bird in the comics and you're like, okay, cool. I get it. But two Red Wings that are artificial, they have intelligence. There's a lot of really cool things that you can have them do. I, yeah. As the techie geek in me, that's that was pretty cool.
0: One is it, it could play off really well in the espionage side of Captain America story. Yeah, he, he could can. totally use that for that purpose. Yeah, he can theoretically track three different people at this point if he's trying to follow yeah. somebody.
1: All right, so then after Sam saves the SWAT team and breaks up everyone fighting downstairs, and Petrock comes in and throws some smoke gas and disperses everybody, once they follow through the tunnels, you get... Carly being distracted by Sharon doing the whistle, which I thought was interesting, that Sharon was the one that was using the Flag Smasher's whistle to get Carly away and into a place where they could have a conversation. So then after we get the conversation between Carly and Batroc and Sharon, like we were saying at the top of the podcast about Sharon potentially being the power broker, Sam comes into the picture and we have an interesting exchange, I will call it, between the two of them. Sam's still trying to Get Carly to stop and do the right thing. And Carly is kind of at this point, just frustrated with everybody and just wants to fight him. And Sam specifically says, I'm not going to fight you. To me, it tells me that Sam is sympathetic to Carly's plight, mm-hmm. which pays off in a minute. Yeah. And also understands that she's she's literally just a teenager and yeah. she could still be redeemed. She has a lot of life ahead of her and he doesn't want to jeopardize any of that. She hasn't done much of permanent damage. So he's trying to keep her to be redeemed. So I thought that was really nice. I really liked their relationship, honestly, of mentoring, kind of mentee, not wanting to listen. So I was kind of sad when, when Sharon shot Carly. But like you're saying, Jason, I, I know why they did that. I just wish... She wasn't thrown
2: away. I agree with you. Uh, but let's not forget, she she did explode a whole building full of people. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's I saw. Mean, she's going to jail, <laughs> man. <Okay>. That's fair. <laughs> I saw yeah, Jason's
0: fate oh, she could come back. I'm like, she murdered a lot of people, man. Yeah. But he okay. does see, like, especially if we
2: just put into our brains, if the original storyline, which was that there was a virus and she was trying to get the cure to the virus, which we did see in the opening scenes of the Flag Smashers at the beginning of this series, that's what they were stealing, medicine, then it would be more believable why Sam would be hesitant or reluctant to hurt her, to fight her, because he's on her side. Her delivery yeah. is wrong, and that's what he's been trying to tell her. But Crap Cap fucked that up a couple episodes ago. There's just something, and I can't put it into words, guys. There's something about that scene that I just was like, I... Uh Look, I love you, Sam. I get this. You're, you're the good guy. I love that. But there's something about the scene with him saying, I'm not going to fight you, and her saying, fight me, fight me, that just didn't have that effect that it was supposed to. But that might be me. I'm a Scrooge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think a couple of things that we haven't mentioned kind of leads to Carly's mentality here. Before they start fighting in the construction site, she has become radicalized just a little bit more than the rest of her compatriots where she says, you know, worst comes to worst, we'll just kill the hostages. And they're mm-hmm. like, no, we're supposed to use them for negotiations. Like, Oh yeah, that, yeah. or we could just kill, them. <laughs> you know, there's two options. Yeah. <laughs> and there, and there another part where she said that I'm ready to die for my cause. And I think what Carly might've been thinking in the scene is that if Sam fights her and she dies, it propels her cause farther than she can if she's alive you know she becomes that martyr status and yeah well it'll tarnish sam a little bit then too because oh he's bought into everything because he's now captain america and wearing the suit but i think that's what she was looking for i think she was looking for death by martyrdom from sam mm-hmm. versus being shot in the back or shot from the in the front by sharon that's that's where i got it so she was she was trying to force his hand to kill her so that her cause could continue
0: I can see that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I think, Jay, from your perspective, I think what's happening with you is just they could have redeemed her character if she didn't blow up that building. As soon as she blew up that building, it's just like, Sam, come on, man. You're a hero. You've seen bad people do really crazy things. And this is one of them. This is one of the people that you should see what she's doing and just not kill her or anything, but just put a stop to her. If you have to fight her, fight her. Bring her in. But don't say you're not going to fight her and not do anything because she has murdered a lot of people. And at this point, it's just like, you need to find a way to stop her, not just sit back and say, Hey, I'm not going to murder you and try to talk to her and reason where I think it's already beyond that. I think that scene for t- two episodes ago, that would have worked back then. Now it's just like, y- there's no reasoning with her at this point. I think that's where where we're at with her character.
1: Well, I know I just said that Sam was sympathetic to her cause He was also trying to prevent her from dying because he knew that that was a thing that could happen. Mm -hmm. And he was also most likely upset with the GRC for essentially creating a Carly or the Flag Smashers because of their actions. And most likely subconsciously knew that he was going to have to have a conversation with them, like we saw. But he was hoping that it wouldn't have to be because of Carly's death, that it wouldn't have to take her dying to get them to see how wrong they were. That if he could mediate a conversation between the two of them, you know, yeah, sure, Carly blew up a building. But at the same time, she's got a point. Let's sit down and talk about it versus having to show you this is how far people are going to go to stop you. Maybe you should rethink your actions. So I know... He had probably one of the best phrases that I've heard for the MCU in a while. The first best phrase was Sharon's eulogy for Peggy Carter. Sam's quote here, you know, it was really powerful for what he said. Is like, I'm still wearing the stars and stripes. I know it's questionable, but I'm still here because that's the right thing to do. And I'm going to do the right thing. You need to do the right thing as well. I think that's kind of what also was in his mindset as they were fighting back and forth. That he was trying to make sure that she could talk to them and express why she's upset versus them being seen as just terrorists all right and so then after sam has that chat like lewis and i were expecting last episode we have a lot of little short scenes that are wrapping up bot points and threads that could essentially be ending of the series and one of them is the car explosion you know it makes sense that zemo had his butler blow up the car and he ultimately had the last laugh from prison all the super soldiers are gone except for john and bucky
0: which yeah i love that you know i love that
1: It was great from uh, Zemo's being able to manipulate everything out in the world, even though he's still in jail. Like we said earlier, he's got all the money to do so. I guess personally, I wish there would have been a super soldier still around to be on the Thunderbolts or something. It just... Like we've been saying, their presence in this series doesn't make sense. Their motivation doesn't make sense. Them just being around to revel everyone else's story is okay, but I think it's still just a waste of the actors and the characters themselves. They should have kept on one of them, but that's me.
2: We don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Bucky's up to something, and I like that. I like the open-ended, we're going to see more of Bucky, and this series, one of the strengths was for us to get to know Bucky more and actually like him a bit. For some reason, I like this guy.
1: (laughs) He's actually come... Full circle in in such the manner that, you know, like we were saying, we wanted to see the therapist come back and we did get her. I guess I wish we would have had another therapy session between the three of them. That I think would have been my preferred route.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I was waiting for that.
1: It would have been nice, but I get, once you start to get towards the end of the episode, it's like, okay, this no conversation scene serves the same purpose and him being able to say, Hey, I finished my book and I crossed off everyone from my list, even though there are some people that, Hark back to Black Widow's movie because there are some Russian names in there and some characters that could be shown up in her movie. It could be one of two things: one, he actually did make amends for everybody, or he got to the point where he feels like he doesn't need to because he did it for Yuri, and right. the nightmares stopped at that point. Which I think is probably the way that they're going with it: is that he doesn't yeah, I have think so to too. keep going after everybody. And once he told Yuri he's, you know, he feels better and he's with having the conversation with Sam. Less episode about a tough love that he's just in a much better mindset. So I think we're going to get who Bucky would have been if he didn't fall off the train back in the first Captain America. We're kind of back to that character now, just obviously... Grown up and Super yeah. Soldier, so I, I'm really excited for where they're going to take the character
0: now. Yeah, I am too. I really like that scene with him and Yuri, him going back, and, and we saw that coming. We knew that was gonna yeah that was gonna happen. I like him going in there and telling him, "Listen, I'm I'm the one that killed your son." And Yuri's reaction to that was, you know, very heartfelt. But what I really like is him going the next day to the place where they used to have lunch and just seeing him just drinking with with the bartender and just you know he was just like, you know, what I don't need to go in there anymore. I yeah i made amends, you know, I think we're just going to part ways from here. And he totally like owned up to that. And I I really like that storyline for Bucky. And I'm really excited to see where where he's going to go from here. Let me ask you guys
2: a question. Okay. And this is just purely a thought question. I'm not giving you an angle of my opinion, but I often think this with these types of situations do you think it was good for yuri to hear this or was it bringing up old wounds and actually making him have to suffer once again and making him have to grieve again what i'm asking you is did he tell him to make it better for yuri or to make himself feel better
1: honestly i think it's both i don't think yuri's wound never closed okay so it's not like there's now a scar there that you're cutting back into and it's now a fresh wound again. I think it's just one of those that you keep putting band-aids on because it won't heal. Nice. right? And yeah. with the shrine being there, I think that helps also illustrate the point of trying to get some closure around what happened to his son because he never got an answer. He never got why he was shot. So I think it's more of, like you said, helping Yuri heal, but also helping Bucky at the same time get over who he was before.
2: I like that. So it's one of those where in order to heal, you're going to have to feel worse for a little bit and then you'll be able to heal. Yeah,
1: But I think Yuri's already grieved the son in his passing. And I think it's more the question of why. Like if somebody was to die and you never got an answer as a why, you're always going to think about why, right? And that's always going to kind of make you. And that's, I think, exactly what's happened to Yuri. So now the last question you had has been answered. Mm. So even though it's taken a lot of years, you can finally put him to rest in your head remember all the good stuff and move on versus there's a blockage there before yeah. you can continue.
2: I think that's great. That's why I wanted to ask you guys that. Yeah. I like that. I think it was, it was great. If you remember that there was one time in this series where Bucky knocked on that door and when it was opened, he just left, he was going yeah. to do it, but he didn't have yeah. this full strength yet, but now he does. So
1: let's get real quick to, as Lewis said to us earlier, the can't be seen between Val and John Walker. Yeah. I think Marvel took the cheap way out of turning the suit black, even though that's also a fairly comic book accurate costume that he's wearing now. All I see that this scene was to do was to say John has progressed a little bit past the demons and past the vengeance mode and the crap cap status. He's still, he's still not good, you know, he's not... Captain america anymore he's not fully crap cap he's kind of a crappy light cap he's done a little bit better he's gotten a second chance to do what he's wanted to do as captain america but you're right other than setting up another scene for julie louis Dreyfus to come in which you know great actress and i'm not faulting her at all it's really just the bridge scene i think between yeah the previous five and a half episodes plus whatever's going to come in the future but yeah it was yeah. it could have been written better your point for for
0: me it was too on the nose man it was just like oh you know you're not captain america anymore but you know what there's gonna come a time that you could be u.s agent really like it's on the nose man and i feel like maybe if this was like an after credit scene maybe it would it would have played better it felt more like an after credit scene it's just the way that wyatt russell was just like i I don't know if i'm explaining it right it just felt campy to me it it maybe part of it's because brian called it like three episodes ago um and i'm just like (laughs) uh but I don't know, man. I feel like uh, it could have been written a little bit better. But his character development, you know, it's more than that scene. Like, he was great throughout the whole series. So it's not going to destroy what Wyatt Russell has done throughout the series. But, you know, just as a standalone scene, I didn't really, you know, I didn't really dig it.
1: Okay, then the final end thread wrap-up scene is with Isaiah in his house. Now Isaiah's calls back to the conversation that they had last episode, Sam and him had, around, you know, what would it mean to be a black man carrying the shield and wearing Captain America's suit? He kind of knew Sam was going to do something in the Smithsonian. So I think that was really nice from a telling of Isaiah's story, giving him some closure and some recognition, also potentially setting up his grandson, Eli Bradley, for him to be Patriot in The Young Avengers. Not only did it speak to Sam's character and how he's always doing the right thing, but it was also kind of really nice that somebody that suffered for so long got the recognition that they finally need. So I I really thoroughly enjoyed those two scenes.
2: I think it was great that from all that pain that he had, Sam was able to show him another light show him some hope in his actions that up until now you thought was impossible he's been in so much pain for so long emotionally that it's there's nothing that can pull him out of there but with sam's actions he proved that there is another way to think of this and again with that scene in the museum this might just be me but it felt very uh doctor who I don't know if you guys saw that episode with the Van Gogh episode it with Van Gogh. Yeah, it felt yeah. like that. Right. Which I didn't mind. Yeah, I loved yeah, I it. Did. So that was cool for me.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think Isaiah Bradley, they wrote him in a way where it's like he's not going to get on board. Mm-hmm. with Sam getting becoming Captain America, you know? And rightfully so. Everything he said, it's on point. Why he shouldn't be. What Sam says to the GRC members, you know, in, in yeah. front of the, the television, the cameras, and again, him bringing him to the exhibit. I think those two things really hit home with Isaiah and I gotta give props to the actor. I mean, he sells this scene, you know, he sells every scene he's in and they finally gave him what he needed to move on. And um the, the only comment I have about the scene and maybe it's because I don't know if it was one of the, the scenes that they did during COVID. It felt like there should have been more people around. I felt like the exhibit should have shown more people just seeing Isaiah Bradley and reading and about his history and things like that, and I think that would have driven the point home.
2: Oh yeah. Um.
0: But you know, I, I feel like that's just me nitpicking, but I really dig what they did with Isaiah's character throughout the whole season, and I, I feel like this paid off uh, perfectly.
1: I know. I took the less people in the museum. One, obviously, yes, it's COVID. They shot it during COVID times, but. Like, yeah no, that's I what i thought you know, it takes some time to get from maryland to the smithsonian having a park and all that kind of fun stuff so it's like oh probably just the end of the day if you <laughs> yeah. take covid out of the equation so i'm like okay it makes sense especially if you're going to bring the person in that is of that statue it kind of makes sense you're doing it towards the end of the day so there's not this whole big hullabaloo and it can really have the impact that it's supposed to for those two individuals
2: right well keep in mind he doesn't want um, people to know he's alive
0: right awesome yeah that makes that's yeah. that's a good point
2: not that you would look at the statue to. and be like, "Oh, that's him," you know. <laughs> yeah. It was actually a pretty
1: good take on him being younger. Oh yeah, um, I think it's yeah. Carl Lumbly. So I mean, it's it was a really good take on him. That was nice. So then the last scene, if you will, during the credits, we got the name change. I don't know if you guys recognize that. Yeah, uh, where it switched from Falcon and Winter Soldier to Captain America and Winter Soldier. I love it. Yeah, that. add
2: more words yes. to the goddamn title.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> don't they know we're doing a podcast and it's so hard to say so many words Shut yeah. down. I think that could play into two things one the series Falcon and the Winter Soldier is done now mm-hmm. and they're going to do Captain America and the Winter Soldier as the next one at some point or we know that they're doing a fourth Captain America movie with Sam so you know that could all play it but we also again after the credits scene get Sharon getting pardoned mm. and I think it was nice that there was also that callback earlier saying Sam hasn't forgotten her promise. So it just, again, speaks to Sam's character, of making sure she does get pardoned. I got two, two points and two, I'll say, critiques for this. When Sharon left, she was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And since S.H.I.E.L.D. was almost at the exact same time, crumbled to death and is no longer in the MCU. So her having a position in her old department as an agent doesn't make a lot of sense. Unless I'm missing something, and I could be because it's been, what, 10 years since MCU started. But that felt a little weird that she's now called Agent Carter again when there's no shield. But then secondly, if I was Sharon and I was the power broker and I just got pardoned and I walked out and I'm outside that building, I don't make that phone call saying, oh, we have all this access now. Yeah, Literally on the steps of the building where they gave you a pardon. That's, to me, mind-boggling. It was just too close. It just didn't make any sense. So, I can see why they put that as the end credits because they didn't want you to think about it probably too much and it just needed to bridge to something else. But you're right, Lewis. I think I would have preferred Val and Walker to be like the second end credits
0: scene. Yeah. You know, I think both of those would have been perfect end credits. The thing with Sharon, maybe they meant whatever entity department, whatever took over Shield's job, maybe she's just going to. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, um, I do like the way that she comes out of the building and in the very last shot, this is for you, Brian, the camera tilts up and what do you see? The American oh, flag on top of the building and that's how you close the series.
1: And that is all that we have time for you today. Thank you for <laughs> joining us as we've reviewed episode <laughs> six, the last time I'm talking to these Jamokes about anything podcast related. Thank you. Have a good Leg.
0: Leg. Oh
2: well, this is an ignorant thought. Okay. Is she going to join up with Fury now and his new team?
0: He's on vacation right now, right? Or he's, he's, in, uh, with the,
2: he's on the moon with Captain America. With <laughs> Captain America. No, he's, <laughs> he's, he's,
0: he's in space, right? With the, the scrolls, He's in space, yes. He's not he's on not vacation. vacation.
1: He's building no. something. Uh, he is building something. He's right. building something? Okay. pre Vision, I was thinking it was SWORD, uh, Sentient World Observation, Lookout, something or other. But then they turned that in one division to Sentient Weapon Lookout, something or other organization. That's the only thing that really kind of makes sense is being up in space. There's also a Alpha Flight at one point in Captain Marvel's comics, but that doesn't make sense either. So I don't know what he's building up there outside of a secret invasion thing that they're doing, which we know they're doing that series. But I don't think, to your question, Louis, I don't think Sharon's going to go up there. I think she's going to stay in Madripoor because... Somebody needs to handle the black market of all of these government secrets and prototype weapons that are going to get out Mm. and still play as a underlying arc between all these things in phase four and five and who knows, maybe this is how they introduced the (laughs) X-Men, you know, that they actually do have a Weapon X as part of the Weapon Plus program that's been hinted at ever since Incredible Hulk and Wolverine is in some governmental warehouse somewhere. I don't know. That's the only thing I could potentially see. I don't think her going up to space, though, makes any sense. One last note. To anybody else, did One World, One People sound very Hail (laughs) Hydra-ish? No? A little bit. Okay, great. So now let's get into rankings. Continuing my love-hate relationship with Rotten Tomatoes, they gave this episode a 6.8 and only a 59% fresh. Now, I get it. It wasn't that impactful, that action-packed of episode, and a little bit lower, but it definitely does not deserve a 6.8 in my opinion. IMDb gave it an 8.3, on par for them. Last episode they gave it an 8.4 so I get that for them. For me, I'll go first and I give you guys a little chance to think about your numbers. Last episode I gave this a 9.4, the episode before that I was a 9.5. You know, but for me I think this is more along the lines of a uh, episode 3 for me. Give it a solid 9.3. It was still good. I liked all the wrap up. I liked all of the character development and where they're setting everybody up to go in future MCU movies and shows. But there's still just some things that was like, oh, it's not good enough to do a higher than episode four or five. So that's where I where I came in for episode six. Jason, since you were not here last week, what are you? How many shields do you give episode six?
2: Well, as I said, I really enjoyed this series and all the episodes. I've been in mid eight, 8.4, I think, 8.5 at times. Yeah. I think this one, because it's a series finale, I'm going to grade it a little more harsh because... It's supposed to deliver a little more. But there are a lot of positives that I've shown throughout this podcast. Not just the negatives. I really love Sam's character. The action scenes were tremendous. I think this bodes well for the whole Marvel Universe and for the future. I think it it set up some good storylines for future shows and movies. But as a series finale, as a standalone episode, I'm going 7.9.
1: So that's higher than your two that Lewis was thinking you're going to give it. Yeah. If I say that there's indications that there could be a second season, namely Disney is putting this in for the best drama series, whereas WandaVision, it's like limited run series or so, something that indicates that WandaVision is just, you know, a mini series versus a full series. And the fact that now we're going to have a fourth Captain America movie and Marvel today in its promo on, online was saying season finale. So with that, since it's not a series finale, does that change your grade at all? Okay. Lewis, Lewis, how many shields do you give this episode?
0: Oh man, I went in really, really wanting this to be my favorite one. I loved seeing Sam in that costume. He's totally Captain America right now for me. He owns being Captain America. I like what they did with Bucky. Some of the stuff they did with Sharon and, and Walker, I didn't fully get on board with. And they kind of ended the Flag Smashers storyline kind of... Yeah, You know, they kind of just ended it and like, you know, but it wasn't terrible. It wasn't a terrible episode. It's just, I wanted more for a a season finale. So I'm going to give it an 8.9. My God, guys. 8.9.
2: You didn't like it that much. You're at a
0: nine basically. (laughs) So obviously our grading scale is off, right? Yeah. But if you look at
1: it, we all have the most favorite episode of episode four was our high point for the season, which makes sense. Yeah. We're just a little higher curves. That's all. All right. Now it's time to get our clatchers in on the conversation over at the Digital Water Cooler. So over on Twitter at CKC Podcast, every week after the episode airs, we ask you who you think your MVS, your most valuable soldier, is. We give you a poll with four options because Twitter only allows us four. I probably could have only given you one. <laughs> this episode but we gave you four and we also like to ask you for your thoughts and opinions on the episode in the comments section us up for three days and hopefully if i can edit this quickly we'll still be able to get it out so you can comment and have time to vote this week we gave you bucky barnes sharon carter john walker and sam wilson now i could have probably thrown in carly in there give her some recognition because she's no longer with us i was also debating isaiah bradley because he his story arc and his healing has been has come full circle so that Also, to me, makes sense, but I didn't think they. neither one of them had really big episodes. They were just plot points throughout for everybody else. Coming in at last place is John Walker. Coming in third is Sharon Carter. Second is Bucky Barnes. And then rounding out with a whopping majority is Sam Wilson. Let me just say this. Anybody disagree? I don't. Nope. No. Okay. We did get one response from Brian T. It was the inevitable moment we've been waiting for. Had to give it to Cap. Was glad to see Walker made the right choice at a critical moment, but foresee Cap and Agent at being odds in future movies. Totally agree. Like we were saying last episode, it would be interesting to see Cap and a couple other people be on the Thunderbolts and having an Avengers versus Thunderbolts kind of movie at some point. That would be really cool to see. But yeah, totally agree. Sam Wilson leaps and bounds ahead of this for everybody.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, mainly because he is Captain America right now. He owned the episode as Captain America, and that's our new Cap. Not Crap Cap, the real Cap. And that's really hard to do. You really
2: got to put your hats off to Marvel to be able to, within one season, have us accept someone new as Captain America.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we've had Chris Evans, Steve Rogers be Captain America for pretty close to a decade. I think it's closer to eight years. Yeah. And he, yeah. Had, he had a great run. But you're right. Having to switch that over in six short weeks it's pretty phenomenal writing and acting and like i said on a previous cast this is probably my favorite show on tv right now so i'm very excited not only are we going to continue the story in captain america 4 in a movie but we're continuing this on with the second season most likely titled captain america and winter soldier
0: and we
2: feel like it's well i hope
0: eventually it becomes captain america and the white wolf how cool would that be
1: that would be cool uh i think you would need to do more more time in wakanda with Bucky yeah. going through the healing process and the deprogramming process for everyone else to understand the white wolf reference and really to have that be an impact. But even, even now they're still producing comics of Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes together. So, yeah. you know, th- that relationship obviously has been to stay. So I don't personally see a white wolf name coming in. And it should, it
0: should stay that way. Yeah.
2: You know, Melly wrote in saying Bucky was by far the most interesting character for me. I feel what Melly's saying. If you remember our first episode On this podcast i said there's something intriguing about bucky i want to get to know him more and i feel like he is interesting to me because i still want to know more about him and i really love him on screen and it makes sense that this series wasn't really about him but i am intrigued to see more movies and perhaps some shows with him in it for sure
0: and he has a lot of history that we could go through right there could be a lot of flashbacks as him as winter soldier or you know even at him as bucky growing up just to see more of his character would be great Totally agree. So if you would like to join in the
1: conversation, like Melly and Brian did, you can respond to the poll. You can email us at contact at coffeeclatchcrew.com, and we'll read the email here on the podcast. You can also call us and leave a voicemail at 252-CKC-6606. That's 252-383-6606, which we will play and respond to as follows. Well. So before we wrap up this episode, we will be coming back for one more podcast this season. We'll do a season one wrap-up and dive headfirst into the Quantum Verse to talk all things, Captain America 4, what the series means for the rest of the MCU, general fan reactions from this season. So until next week, I'll be on your left, and this round on me.
0: Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CKC Podcast. And if you'd like to support Jason and Christina and would love even more content, including bonus casts and movie reviews, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash ckcpodcast. This round is on me. fucking Sharon,
2: bro. All right. I'm ready to piss you guys off. Uh-oh. <laughs> Why are you going to piss us off?
0: What does that mean? Oh, you no. You shall
2: see. You shall see.
0: Dude, did you he hate made this
1: a episode? Like... Say what? Did you hate this episode?
2: I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I told you he was telling me he was going to give it
0: <gasps> two, right? No, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Don't been- let Jason intimidate you, man.
1: I know, it's Jason. It's, it's better when it's just me and Lewis. you know? It just ebbs and flows. Because we're just like, I don't
0: know, man. And I know it's it their show. It. We're just screwing it up. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's just, who cares what we're doing? It's Jason's brand. We can just walk away. He's got to live with whatever the yeah, words are.
0: Yeah, we're just <laughs> shit all over their brand. Just go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm kind of.
2: Louis, you, you cut off. Yeah, we just lost him. I think he hates us. <laughs>
1: he just said, I'm <laughs> going to be honest,
2: fuck you guys. <laughs> I'm out.
1: Does this mean I have to find somebody else to do Loki? Damn it. Oh. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That's somebody that lives in New York. Do you want to be plunged in there from No.
2: 10, nope. No, you don't want to put your toe in there. No, no. It's dirty. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like I said, I also it's, think Jason, definitely... oh, sorry, go, go ahead. That was, gonna Those, say. I, I, I...
2: <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. That was awesome. I love that. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs>